met a gentleman through my wife uh, who became familiar with John Euler's work. And she got him to come on the program. John Euler is, um, he's a therapist licensed and, and across multiple disciplines, incidentally. And lots of credentials. Okay, fair enough. He has spent the last third of his career, about a decade, in prison. Not, not as an inmate, but in prison counseling pedophiles in, a, in hopes of having them not rape kids anymore. As a consequence of this, some of the worst pedophiles in the world have told him things they've never told the cops or their defense attorneys. And obviously, when it's a must report, obviously, he reports. He knows more about the pedophile mind than perhaps any living mental health professional. Want to know how most of them learn about these people? Books. He still works with some men to try to keep them from acting on their sin desires and horrible, evil sin desires they are. Uh, You're going to hear him explain that what you think you know about pedophiles, you might not know. Most of us have heard, and it really is a myth, that sex offenders that have children as victims, so pedophiles, are somehow reenacting their own trauma. They themselves were offended, and so they've targeted an age and stage of a child that reflects the age that they were perped on. Okay, that is a lie. And that lie matters. Because he explains it's a reframing. It's a reframing. It's an effort to victimize, to make us think of them as victims. Uh, He also explains in a lot of detail how gone these guys are in evil. And what that looks like. And he has studied Sam Brinton. You know about Sam Brinton, right? Sam Brinton was second in charge of making sure that our nuclear waste was responsibly handled. White collar psychopath. White collar psychopath. Wow. And what is it? What what do you see that can have you say that? There we go. What you see in his eyes is anything but contrition and remorse. Now, can someone clearly from a, a, a photo discern? Yeah. <laughs> As a matter of fact, there's two kinds of psychopath, bloody and white-collar psychopath. That comes from Robert Hare, who's the godfather of psychopathy, who created this PCLR. Yeah. Okay. But you begin to see something in the eyes of uh, really what a psychopath is this, boils down to this. They have no conscience. And he goes on in a lot of detail about Sam Brenton and some of his activities. I don't think you're aware of. Forgive me for judging because I wasn't. Did you know Sam Brenton was involved in building the wall that keeps parents out of information about their kids' gender defiance? In other words, having been groomed. Yeah, he was involved in that. You're going to hear him discuss through a pedophile's mind. What do pedophiles think about the perverse pornographic sex ed in the schools? They're aware of it. He says, oh, they're aware of all of us. It's their business. 
These men are given completely, in his mind, psychopathically to evil. And he's a Christian. And he sees it as a spiritual battle as well. What would they think about this pornography in the schools? Mission accomplished. Wow. Wow. 100%. It has done what Fifty Shades of Grey did. I was doing a group. On the day that movie came out, it was Valentine's Day, and I asked the guys, I'm talking about field research, field research. And what the men told me, those that had adult victims, is that Fifty Shades of Grey now would make their job easier because the women were grooming themselves. Well, guess what's going on with the kids? With the great help of friends from Soda Weight Loss at SodaWeightLoss.com, we get to talk openly about this. Oh, and one note of caution if you haven't guessed already. If you listen with family, be cautious. It's very disturbing. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times to which God has decided we shall live. In times such as these, we are required to be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. And that's hard, because let's not rely on our own wisdom or our own gentility, or we're going to fail. My wife came to me and said, there's a guy you have to have on the podcast, and I've learned my wife is really good at that. And so there is a guy my wife recommended that we're going to have right now on the podcast. John Euler, welcome to the Todd Herman Show. Such a pleasure to have you. Todd, likewise, the pleasure is all mine. You have uh, what I would regard as a fascinating and also, you'll forgive me, a spooky background. And number one, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing what we're called to do. And I I don't know your faith story. We can talk about that maybe. Uh, But the Lord Jesus didn't shy away from going to the the dregs of society, as it were, um, to the broken and the harmed and even the criminals. uh, And, you know, trying his best to, to bring them back to the Father. You spent time professionally trying to help men. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to guess almost all men, although we're, we're told to believe that's changing in the in the world of the gender industry, um, in the prison system, trying to help them not reoffend as pedophiles. So uh, let's talk about that. First of all, what that job was like. It was different than I had ever experienced. Yeah. So that was not in my career path. And uh, you and I are probably on the same page as far as our uh, walk with the Lord. Yeah. You know, once he gets hold of you. It's a miracle, and uh, you know, then it's a journey. It's right. a journey of faith. It's a journey of growth, and journey of hopefully being open to the twists and turns. And if he hangs a sharp right, we go with him. And that's what the prison system was for me. My background—I've uh, been doing therapy for about thirty years. You break it into about thirds, as it were. I have regular kind of counseling. It's still what I do now. I do that uh, through teletherapy full time. Started out working regular kind of settings and then also hospital, uh, that hospital setting. That's where I learned about trauma. I didn't know about trauma. That was outside of my purview. 
then started working with uh, survivors of sexual abuse. And if I was to go on for a PhD, it would be in that. I understand the shattering of the personality. It really is a very profound thing. That's where my heart lies. Then began working with kids in the system in all ranges of uh, that whole process from foster care to group homes to residential treatment. By the time a kid reaches residential treatment, and that's usually by their teen years, that means they're out of the home, they're in an alternative school where they live in dorms or whatever euphemistic term they, they want to give those kids. And so those are really the multiple placement failure kids. And that was the best training prior to, to get me ready for the prison system. Cause I worked with uh, kind of the worst of the worst kids that nobody else could handle. That was out in uh, Southern California. By the time I uh, was recruited to head up one of the uh, mid-sized counties uh, department of children, family services or children and youth out in Pennsylvania, um, that it was a great experience. It was a little more short-lived. I was the acting director, but then started up my own adolescent female group home, 12-bed facility, was doing that. And then the Department of Corrections came knocking in a good way, but I turned them down a few times. I was not interested. But uh, they were persistent, one of the chief psychologists. And uh, now in retrospect, whenever a state system is looking outside itself, there's probably something's up. But I didn't know enough, and I think my naivety um, was probably a good thing because I went in doing what I do best. I, I go where few tend to trod and <laughs> not knowing better. Yeah. And uh, so it turns out I was hired. I was recruited because all the psych staff in Pennsylvania and the, the correction system, they were probably going to go on staff. Uh, due to a lawsuit by the ACLU over warehousing of mental health inmates in long-term solitary confinement, they had to uh, create a different animal, a different uh, program. Nobody knew what to do, probably because they were steeped in that world. And when you're talking solitary confinement, and there's different euphemistic terms, segregation unit, restricted housing unit, level five housing, you know, it, it really means that you, these guys are locked up 24 hours a day and they're not coming out and they don't play well with other inmates in the institution. So these tend to be the worst of the worst or very reactive. And it doesn't necessarily match offense. So you can have a very reactive kind of inmate that's in for uh, drug dealing or armed robbery or murder or heinous sex offenses, including chopping up bodies, that guy, Hannibal Lecter's. Yeah. So you can have a compilation of guys that end up in solitary. And in that environment, they can, what's called accrue more disciplinary custody time. Meaning let's say they did something wrong. Fancy that, that an inmate would do that. But yeah. let's say he gets in a fight. He has to go to solitary for 30 days. Well, there's a, a custody hearing and, He's given X number of days in the hole. Well, if he's in there and he starts, quote, unquote, acting out, he can start accruing what, what are called tickets. So he can start to break rules. Amazing concept. But he can end up in that environment uh, in a couple of additional ways for years and years. And solitary confinement will do a number on guys. 
Yeah. And they're already kind of whacked out to begin with. You put them in that environment and the vast majority of guys are going to be getting out. And that's the problem. Because yeah. that means you're going to release them potentially even right from solitary confinement, give them a trash bag, put them on a bus. And now we have real problems. So there was a whole lot of reasons why the ACLU, uh, probably for other reasons, compassion or whatnot, uh, you know, said you can't do this. So the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections didn't really know what to do with it. Psych staff didn't want to touch it because they knew once you start a new program, all the worst of the worst, it becomes horse trading. All the institutions will dump their stuff in there, the worst of the worst. So literally, I have worked with the worst of the worst inmates yeah. in the state of Pennsylvania that nobody else could work with. And so here I go, Wallace and in thinking I'm going to do a treatment program. And I did. But some of the challenges also were the officers are very interesting. But in that environment, it's very surreal. Uh, everybody we read about uh, in the news that does heinous things, they go to prison. If they don't adjust, guess where they go? Solitary. So I worked with everybody's worst nightmare. Okay. Well, you know, uh, Sean, we did a, um, I have a, a long background, um, you know, for not great reasons in adolescence and teen therapy, family therapy. And so I've, I've seen, um, that end of things. My father was a master's social work. Um, so he worked with a lot of young people trying to keep them out of the, the prison system. Uh, my mom is a master's in education. Um, I've did a turn working with troubled kids in a, in the last resort school in Salt Lake City. We had to sue kids out of that school because it was, it was the last resort, but I've never, to my knowledge, spent time around pedophiles. Um, so when you did that, you gained this, this knowledge that's now reflected in your an analysis of the news and, <clears throat> You know, I operate a bit, well, with the background I've mentioned, but also uh, off of the gift of fear by Gavin DeBecker. You know, if you, if, if God gives you the fear of somebody, there's probably a good reason to fear that person. And right. you have written on your site. And, and um, by the way, John's blog is linked in the show notes um, and you should go there. It's called Survivor Support. Please go there. And it's a great deal of education, particularly if you're a parent, law enforcement, educator, anyone who is around kids, understand what's being done to them. You looked at Sam Brinton. And Sam is a man who pretends to be non-binary. He has uh, a, he is, in my judgment, a deviant, um, just given his activities and, and uh, BSDM photos. And, but you looked at his booking photo the second time he was apparently arrested, allegedly, for stealing a woman's luggage. And, and, and fancy that. He steals a woman's identity from time to time and steals their luggage. But you saw something in the booking photo and you wrote about this. So, so can we talk about that? Sure. When you look at that photo and it's online now, and as you say, I wrote a blog piece partly out of my own therapy. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I keep myself balanced. That's a strange way to do it. huh? Um, and I appreciate you referencing the, the blog and the the site and I'll, I'll add the latter part of that. So I have a site called survivorsupport.net. So that's my primary site. I also have a training site that has a lot of my material that I put on there, including emails that I received commendations from the department of corrections. That is churchprotect.org. And I recommend people go on to the myths tab. If you want to see, what really is true, I unpack myths. And then on the truths tab, that's where a lot of my research is. 
Got it. But then I have a blog, survivorsupport.us. And so uh, literally just uh, the wee hours of the morning, I finished that blog post. It expanded. Yeah. Uh, But that I had been writing a lot about Sam once he had come to my attention. I had seen some photos when Levin was hired and, you know, all of a sudden there's this flamboyant guy. I, I had never really figured out or taken the time to find out what, you know, what position that Biden put him in. Well, it turns out, of course, now that most of us know he was in a really important position dealing with spent fuel, nuclear fuel. Yeah. So all of a sudden it comes to my attention because he gets busted stealing uh, a woman's luggage. Well, now comes my background. I would not have known what I know now, of course, had I not been working with sex offenders, along with my role in working with with guys in long-term solitary, a number of those guys were uh, sex offenders, both of adults and uh, kids. But then after six solid years, so through that, I accrued more clinical contact hours than any other psychology staff in the U.S. or Canada. Mm -hmm. Then I uh, oversaw the treatment of uh, or specialized treatment for men that were designated sexually violent predators. And high risk. So Pennsylvania had, they have a, a 65 bed unit. They had two, now they have one, but a separate specialized forensic unit for sexual violent predators. That's a designation given by a judge, by the way. Yeah. So I did that for a year and through that uh, was hand selected a small group of us to be trained by Dr. Robert Hare out of British Columbia. The DOC flew him in to be uh, forensically certified in the PCLR. The PCLR is the hair psychopathy checklist. So I can provide uh, forensic assessments to the courts on psychopaths. So I am trained and certified to be able to assess what I call degrees of psychopathy. And that's really what we're looking at. So I understand this. I am not published yet. At some point in time, I will take the time. But I would say I know psychopaths like at the back of my hand. I currently still do sex offender treatment. I have two separate groups. I've got about 35 guys that I still work with. I yeah. have to kind of double my groups. So I'm a certified sex offender treatment provider. And I'm also a certified trauma prov- uh, specialist. Now, the reason why that's germane in this is there has been a shift, a very dangerous shift to try to put Uh, sex offender treatment and working with those that who have offended under the umbrella of trauma. That's very dangerous because it shifts the narrative. It rebrands sex offenders as victims in their own right. And most of us have heard this. And this came from flawed, I'm convinced of this, flawed research. Most people, if they've uh, gone into criminal justice or psychology or just read it in the paper somewhere, most of us have heard, and it really is a myth, that sex offenders that have children as victims, so pedophiles, are somehow reenacting their own trauma. They themselves were offended, and so they've targeted an age and stage of a child that reflects the age that they were perped on. Okay, that is a lie. Wow. Wow. And I've been saying that for six years now, and I've never had one psychology staff want to challenge me because they know 
they that I know. And if they want to, I also have a program. They can come on a live program Friday nights, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in the U.S. on TECN dot tv called journey to healing but it's live and i'd be more than happy to have that debate we have bought into because it sounds reasonable it's like well i would never do that and so man this guy there there has to be an explanation yeah but he can't be what it looks like because if what it looks like then none of us have sympathy on these guys so what it looks like is they're just really sexual deviant guys that are really sadistic and they're going after kids so there's been a push either by naive or agenda-driven researchers to rebrand and reframe those that would harm children, those that would violate children sexually, because they know the public is not going to tolerate predatory adults. And so they have crafted a narrative, and the narrative is what I call an urban legend. It's exactly what I referenced. So most people now will say they'll repeat what they've heard. But when you ask, well, where did you hear that? Well, I don't know. Research. Well, what research? I still don't even know where it comes from, but it's in textbooks. Yeah. And then I help walk people through how do you research, which I actually have on my website on churchprotect.org under the truths tab how you actually research what is the best and most reliable and valid way to research sex offenders. Because what I also tell people is this, if you want to do research on sex offenders, you do not do that on the sex offender unit. Why? You do that on the drug and alcohol unit. Okay, I want to hold on to that thought. Hold on to that, uh, John. I I want to uh, have you explain that. And I also want to read a piece of what you said about Sam Brinton and get to this mugshot thing. So we'll start with why you look at the drug and alcohol units, and then we'll get to this piece you wrote on Sam Brinton. Remember, the show notes contain work to John's word, links to John's work. And by the way, if you're a church in any way involved in church leadership, it's vital that you protect your churches. We've talked about the sexual left attacking churches. Well, the shiny shoed Republicans in the Senate uh, just joined the Democrats to open the door to crush your churches. Um, you know, a guy won't be crushed. Mike Lindell is the founder and CEO of MyPillow. He will not be crushed. And he makes no bones about the fact that he doesn't think this is his mighty power. Uh, he wears the armor of God, the full armor of God. And he speaks his beliefs, right? And we talk about that in the program. One of the reasons I'm so glad to be doing business with Mike again. He also provides product because if he didn't do that, he'd be poor, he'd be broke. You know, it's one thing to have a pillow, you could say is a stunt, but how many decades later is this thing successful? So he goes from pillows now to towels. I have one and I'm getting another of the six piece towel sets. This is made with cotton, but it's cotton from the United States. It's made in the United States. It's made in small town America. It comes with a money back guarantee. If you buy before Christmas, before the 25th, that 60 day money back guarantee is extended all the way into March 1st of next year. So for some weird reason, you don't like the pillow or the, the towels or your friends don't, or your family doesn't, you can, you know, return it if you're not fully satisfied. I will tell you, these are the most absorbent towels I've ever had. The price point is insane. I thought they'd made a typo when they sent this to me. It's regularly $89.98. It's now only $39.98. And there's a website for this program to let Mike know we're doing our job. 
So you go to mypillow.com slash Herman, use promo code Herman, and you get this incredible price point. It's two towels. I I think they're big enough to be qualified as beach towels, two hand towels, and a wash or a washcloth two pack. Mypillow.com slash Herman promo code Herman. That's mypillow.com slash Herman promo code Herman. And continue our discussion with John Euler. What a spooky, what a spooky discussion. And yet we talk about it so often on this program. Uh, John, you just shared with us that when you're doing research on pedophiles, it's not the pedophile unit, but it's the drug and alcohol unit. So let's talk about that. There we go. Part of the thing that we have to combat as far as public awareness, which then comes from a knowledge base, and we rely upon those that have supposedly done the research. Mm Mm-hmm. How do you do research? It's fairly laborious if you are an academic researcher, because where is your office? It's in a school. It's in a university. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, most academic uh, experts went to school, got their undergrad, got their master's, and went on for a PhD, and then they start teaching. How many hours have they spent working with pedophiles? I'm going to guess zero. Thank you very much. (laughs) They've read... Right. And but if you're going to do definitive research, my guess is you want to actually study your subject. Well, are you going to find pedophiles on the street? Of course, there are. Do they identify themselves? No. So where are you going to find pedophiles? You're going to find them in prison. How do you gain access to that? It's a very laborious process. It takes a long time. James Dobson, it took him, even though he specifically was going to interview and did interview Ted Bundy, it's a lengthy process, and he had a few hours. Yeah. The best place to study them is in prison, and you are part of that milieu. That would be a psych staff. But most psych staff who have the access don't have the interest. So it's a weird conundrum. But I found myself on psych staff. I have a set of keys and unlimited access. And I can actually go in those units that the average researcher would never go and have those private conversations that a researcher would never have. And you know that you're getting some pretty good information when it starts like this in solitary confinement. Mr. Euler, you know what? I'm going to tell you something I've never told anybody before. Mm. That means all the detectives, Mm. the various psych people they've already spoken to, and you're going to get some information that they're not going to benefit from telling you. Mm. That's pretty good field research. Yeah. For 11 years. For 11 years, I dug deep. And you you can't give that up because of the the client therapy agreement, unless it's a must report, right? Unless there are conditions under which you have to tell law enforcement. But you can amass it and you can compare against it. And I have to imagine this informs this statement. Um, This is from um, SurvivorSupport.us. How could the judge not have understood the significance of this look? And here we see pictures of Sam Brenton. Um, the, the person in who, who until recently was uh, at least the second in charge of, of making sure our nuclear spent nuclear fuel is safe. And uh, it, his intelligence plays into this, or at least his skill at taking tests. He's an MIT grad. This is what John writes. How many such mugshots did I see over the 11 plus years while serving as a sex offender treatment provider on a psych staff within the uh, Pennsylvania Department of Corrections with men who adopted such a look for the camera while posing for their mugshots? Thousands of them. 
After you review enough of them, you begin to see a pattern emerge. A reliably consistent clinical and criminal profile emerges between the kind of facial expressions a man makes during his mugshot, the crime he likely committed, his mental state at the time of booking, his psychological profile, and his overall criminal disposition and mindset. And you look at this man, and I guess you don't get chills like we do because you've been around it so often, but you had a profile come to you. And in your blog work, you fill in the profile and you do a very good job of it. So in just a few words, what came to your mind, your professional mind, your educated mind, all this experience when you saw this booking photo of Sam Brenton? White collar psychopath. White collar psychopath. Wow. And what is it? What, what do you see that can have you say that? There you go. What you see in his eyes is anything but contrition and remorse. Now, can someone clearly from a, a, a photo discern? Yeah. <laughs> As a matter of fact, there's two kinds of psychopath, bloody and white color psychopath. That comes from Robert Hare, who's the godfather of psychopathy, who created this PCLR. Yeah. Okay. But you begin to see something in the eyes of uh, really what a psychopath is this boils down to this. They have no conscience. And that's what it all comes down to. A psychopath is neither nature nor nurture nor environment genetics. So all those can play a part. It really simply comes down to this. And those of us that come from a biblical perspective, this is Romans chapter one. And the term reprobate mind is an old-fashioned term. It's a metal urgy term, meaning it's no longer good for its intended purpose. Psychology comes along and research and can scan the brains, and you can do a simple internet search, type in brain scans of psychopaths, and you will see they are different. They didn't start out that way. They became different, and there's no going back. A psychopath is different now by nature. Why? I have the answer. I can tell you. They've overridden their conscience. You override your conscience enough, and you will. You will cauterize it. You will create a callus. You will reach a point where it no longer bothers you that you've done what you've done, and therefore there goes remorse. And you don't care about the impact it has on someone. There goes empathy. So a psychopath is someone that has no conscience, therefore no empathy and no remorse. That's a that's a psychopath. Now, you layer that with whatever their thing is. So if you are a financial psychopath, you are going to help yourself to the finances of someone. You have one of two ways. You can either become part of the IRS or you hold a gun to somebody's head or you get them, you convince them. We call that grooming. You get over on them. You work them to where they willingly give you what they possess and therefore you they can't cry foul, so to speak. Yeah. Right? Unless you start to strong arm them. If your thing is sex and sexuality, so now you're a sexual psychopath, you can do one of two things, either point a gun or by force, take what they have or get them to give it to you. Now you're a manipulator. Either way, one is short lived. So if you take by force, right, you're you're going to get busted at some point in time sooner rather than later, and you're going to have very few uh, victims, but one victim is one too many. But white collar, so smart criminals, the criminal mind has a lot of victims. They are bloodless. 
So by the time a pedophile is busted, they have hundreds usually of kids um, that they have perped on, but the kids have never disclosed. Why? Because these men are very bright. The brighter these men are, and when you move into the realm of psychopathy, my premise is you've already moved through narcissism. You are a narcissist now, not a simple narcissist who uses mirrors, but one that believes the world is theirs for the taking. So the world revolves around you. Narcissists do not have low self-esteem, by the way. You have to feel pretty good about it. Now, they have warped self-esteem. Satan has a really good self-esteem. It's warped, but there ain't nothing wrong with his self-esteem. To be able to tell God, get up, move over, I'm sitting down, I yeah. will rise above the most high. The, okay. Um, to be able to take what isn't yours and get someone to give it to you, you're manipulating them. Now you're a sociopath. It's all about sales. Once you enter into the realm of psychopathy, now you're all about effect. And that's what deviance is. Sexual deviance is getting off on the negative impact. And that's why if you want to study uh, genuine survivors of child-on-child -child offense, because the perps now are saying that the reason why a pedophile offends is they're reenacting their own trauma. The reason why you can tell them that is not true is that genuine survivors are protective, not exploitive. You talk to anybody that have a parent that was sexually abused, and you go out with them, whether to the park or to an amusement park, every kid knows that that mother is not just a helicopter parent. They're the kinds with the bungee cords on them. Why? Because yeah. ain't nobody walking off with my kid. Right. Okay, so genuine, uh, they're the ones that wouldn't let the kids go to slumber parties. So survivors by nature are very protective, not exploitive. So if somebody is exploitive, they have not been abused. I, okay, Let's just, I want to slow down because this is such a very, very important point uh, because you packed a lot into this. I am reminded that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's it's against the dark forces um, in the heavenly realms and the, the, the principalities, right? And the, you're describing people possessed. Uh, you're not clinically describing that, but I'm, I am, this sounds to me like someone d uh, possessed who has allowed themselves to be owned by evil and I look at this picture of Brenton to go back to this, and you're not saying, I don't hear you saying, because of the look in his eye, I judge him to be a psychopath. I'm seeing you say, I don't see remorse. I don't see any any um, feeling bad for what he's done. I don't see any empathy. I see defiance. And then in your blog piece, you then go to his behaviors, um, his bizarre bondage behaviors, which is him being defiled, as I would refer to it. And then his behavior of defiling others, dressing them up as dogs and animals um, to be, uh, you know, uh, despicably treated by him in a sexual manner an overtly sexual manner. But then we get to this, his background with kids. And most people are unaware of this piece. And I want John to explain this piece. And then I want to ask what is to me the most frightening question, which is what the pedophiles see when they see so-called comprehensive sex education in the schools. So I want John to explain that through the mind of a pedophile, looking at what the, the pornography that's been brought into the schools. What does a advanced psychopathic pedophile think of that? So I'll ask John to explain those two things as we continue talking to John Euler. And again, the work is vital. It's in the podcast notes. It's vital that you get armed with this stuff. 
we were just talking about, uh, John mentioned financial psychopaths. Did, did anyone else picture Klaus Schwab or Tom Steyer or, or anyone like that? Um, or our good friend, George Soros. Anyone picture that? I, I did. And this is one of the reasons I'm so relieved to work with, uh, with Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management. I was just talking to my dear friend, Tom. And Tom loved the moment that Zach was on the program a few weeks ago. And he said, Zach said, I don't understand this market. It doesn't make any sense. It's chaotic. Psychopaths don't do that. They understand everything. They're the smartest people in every room at all times, even if there's 10 million people, smartest people on the planet. Zach admitted that because he's an honest man and he stewards money. And his firm, Bulwark Capital Management, is predicated upon something else that psychopaths don't recognize. They don't recognize risk for others. So it is risk management. And that is at the heart of Bulwark Capital Management. And in this chaos economy, and let's face it, it's run by some psychopaths. It's a rigged game, right? What do we have? Well, we have God. We know that we win in the end. And then we're told to steward our money. Well, there's no better way to do that than risk management. So call Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management and have him look at your portfolio. And let me just tell you one thing. If you are 58 years of age or older and you don't want to quit working or you can't, You can transfer your 401k from your workplace into Zach's management today. That is not a taxable event and your company can't stop you from doing it. All right. So here's the number. It's Bohr Capital Management, 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Board Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. John Euler's with us. John, um, Sam Brinson, and you detail this in your blog. I was, as much research as I do, I was unaware of this piece that Sam Brinson worked with a group, which is, I think, a group of psychopaths, in my judgment, called the Trevor Project. And the Trevor Project did what in in the uh, government schools? The Trevor Project is, uh, by uh, claim, they're an advocacy group uh, that has a a support line, really what most of us would think is a suicide hotline for troubled teens. I'm okay with that, but they go one step further for gender-confused Once you start identifying a population, especially with kids, by that title, our antenna should go up. Of course. They they are drawing, as it were, and marketing to kids in that population group. The, The trans movement, the trans deception, as I call it, is filled with probably 80 to 85% um, are kids that have been sexually abused in one way or another. A, a significant portion of them have also also have um, are on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. The two things that those things have in common, which are ripe for the picking for a psychopath or anybody that's going to manipulate them, is sexual abuse survivors and uh, those on the autism spectrum have a difficult time with their intuition. That's where this fits in with psychopaths because. There are two mechanisms that God has given us to maintain boundaries, which has to do with maintaining respect and dignity and value. That is our conscience and our intuition. My conscience is intended to keep me on my side of your boundaries. You only have boundaries 
with things that are important. The difference between public and private property is one you can call the police. (laughs) Why? It's ownership. God has given us our life, our stewardship. We are stewards of us, our time, effort, energy, resources, and our bodies. That is why I should not trespass against you. To trespass presupposes private property or private ownership. You are able to, you are your own steward, and you're going to be called, meaning it's you and your body and your life. If I trespass, that presupposes there is a boundary, and it presupposes you have not given me permission. The only difference between a guest and burglar is permission. The thing that maintains those interpersonally is conscience and intuition. Ideally, I stop me before you need to. That's called self-control. Why would I do that? It's not going to value, it's not going to benefit me. It's because I care about you. So if I have God's mind, I will love people and use things. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's a good mind. That's different than the brain, the gray and white matter. A mind is designed by God. So if we have the mind of Christ, we will love people and use things. That's the way God intended it. The more into self I get, the more incrementally, step by step by step, it gets inverted. So instead of loving people and using things, I now will love things and use people. Welcome to the world. That's why, quite frankly, aside from the novelty of the term psychopathy, It really is just good old-fashioned selfishness. But the more selfish somebody becomes and the more given over, very real things happen to where if you give yourself over far enough, like in the book of Romans, you will forever be different and you will never come back because you will pass the point of no return. That makes us as Christians uncomfortable. But the best way to view it is you lose the desire to ever be any other way than you are, and you even want to double down on it. You want to become the super predator, the shot caller, the chess master. Yeah, you want to make that's what drives the psychopath. Yeah, it sounds like a a sick satanic reverse form of discipling people. Uh, there you go. Right? There you go. That's- now you, you are all about getting over on someone. Now look at Sam Britton's eyes. Yeah, the only way to frustrate a psychopath is to deny him. Okay. Once you deny him or outfox him, now you'll hear something out of him that you'll never hear out of the sociopath. The sociopath uh, bases their actions and decisions upon the cost-benefit analysis. Once the cost becomes too much, they'll move on. They'll love you and leave you. They'll move on. We had a good time, and, and off they go. A psychopath... What you'll hear from them is you'll never hear this from even um, sociopaths. And and trust me, in prison, you can have in one group, you can have psychopaths and sociopaths. Psychopaths are more the minority, but they'll even shock the sociopaths. When you have a bunch of men in prison, their eyebrows go up like, oh, my gosh, here's what you'll hear from the psychopath. It's like, oh, yeah, well, if you did that to me, I don't care. I'll burn the whole thing to the ground. I'll sit on the ashes and I'll like it. Mm -hmm. They'll take the entire thing to the ground and feel satisfied. Everything he was working for, why? To prove a point. The psychopath has to have the last word, last say, last laugh, and it is chess to him. It's the thrill of the hunt. It is the knowledge they've gotten over on someone, and it is game theory. So half the fun for a psychopath is playing good people for fools as they're moving in toward their objective. A sexual psychopath's objective is not attraction so they don't want the body 
That would be attraction. It is a lie, by the way, if you've ever heard this term, maps, minor attracted person. That is a lie. Non-offending pedophiles. That is a lie. How do we know about it? Well, the pedophiles told me they're non-offending. Oh, good. So the world's greatest liars and deceivers have told you, and therefore you're taking at face value their own self-report, and you're going to put it into the literature and say that pedophiles are not only non-offending, but they themselves were perpetrated. How do you know? They can't produce any corroborating evidence. Well, they told me. Oh, good. So that's why we're going to believe Sam Britton when he said, I thought it was my luggage. And we find out, oh, but Sam, you didn't check any luggage in. And I know a lot of us who wandered down to the luggage claim area to spend extra time after a long flight because we're tired. And the the first thing we want to do is go hang out in the luggage uh, area. And then we're going to find a woman's luggage or a luggage that sort of looks like that. We're going to look at the tag and you can tip what's on the tag. All of us fill those out at the counter. We're going to put our name and address. Sam found a bag. He ripped that off. He looked at that, ripped it off and stuck it in his pocket. So he had the identifying information of a woman. What is in a woman's suitcase? Yeah, her underwear and her underwear, intimate things. And Sam lied to the police and he took all her underwear. And the audience needs to understand this. He masturbated in her underwear. Anytime a guy begins to steal women's women's underwear, it's very dangerous because very often you are now seeing a man who behind the scenes is having actual victims. And, and does anybody know what Sam Britton does 24-7? So, so I want to make sure, and I just want to make clear, um, this is based upon your experience. You don't know that he did that, but you're saying no. your, your experience in all these years, thousands, you know, thousands of mugshots, hundreds of men, uh, confessions in prison cells that they didn't tell anyone else at you. But you are, it sounds like you are very certain, in your opinion, that he went and masturbated in these women's underwear. 100%. Yeah. As a matter of fact, if he wants to debate me, he can come on my program and I can talk about it. Because why wouldn't you return the clothing? Right. Right. And the burden of proof now is upon him. There's too much of a pattern. This is a man that lied multiple times to police about how the bag came into his possession. He first said he didn't know about it. Then he said he didn't know if he took it. Then he said he wasn't sure. Maybe it was his clothes. He never checked a bag. And then here's the ironic thing. He was questioned. This is in the Minneapolis St. Paul one. It turns out to be the second offense. We thought it was the first. Most people did. So he's questioned by police. He denies it. So he lies to police. He should have been charged for that. Then it turns out he was questioned a month after the incident. So he's had this bag for a month. Where's the where the clothing? But a week into him possessing another woman's bag, he puts his own clothes into it. He goes on a trip to teach about despicable, twisted kink and bondage. He's going to lead a workshop. Guess whose luggage he was using? <laughs> so yet this is man that went that graduated from MIT yeah. that was in a very high position in the government. He's a really bright guy. Yet he wants to play brain dead. Doesn't work. No, it doesn't. Can't have it both ways. It doesn't. And this is the piece that, that, that hit me very hard in your work, John. Uh, and I want to, I want to talk about this as, as we continue with John Euler. And that is that the Trevor project did something else. It wasn't as John indicated, quote, just a place, uh, for kids who are, they've been conned about their gender to go if they're having more mental problems than, than being, having been conned about their gender. Um, it, it's also that they contributed to taking down the protection of parents. 
that according to John's piece, the Trevor Project was involved in making sure that parents don't get to know when their kids uh, pretend to transition. Um, they don't get to know about anything related to their kids and their sex life. And who wants that? Well, clearly pedophiles would love that. And they are loving it. And we'll continue the discussion. Oh, man. How about this for a refresh? Um, how about God Country Team? Uh, I was just chatting with my friend, um, my friend Ben, who got the new door kicker coffee from bonefrog.us. This is the highest caffeine blend that they have. It is so potent. And it maintains the great taste of this. This is a 12-ounce pack maintains the great taste that you would expect from Bonefrog. Why would you expect that? Well, uh, Dave Stewart's a coffee legend. He started Seattle's best coffee. He makes some of the roast. He mentors the team on the other, on the other roasts. Um, and that he came on board with Tim Cruikshank to help Tim. Tim, why would he do that? Because Tim is a 25-year Navy veteran and a Navy SEAL. So evidently, Dave likes to work with the best. Well, Tim wasn't the best in coffee. Dave is. So they came together to make this brand, bonefrog.us. It all revolves around the coffee. And you get to know this. When you buy at bonefrog.us, you get 5% off coffee subscription for life. You can go there and purchase the merch. If you're a subscriber, you don't have the merch, look at the merch. It's fantastic. And know this, 10% of proceeds go to support the families of our Navy SEALs who gave up their lives in battle. They didn't lose them. They didn't misplace them. They said, I will put my life on the line for my country. 10% of the proceeds go to support those families. The coffee is also available now in decaf. It's the Zen Frog that is decaf, but with the Swiss water process, not the chemical process. So none of the nasty taste of normal decaf. That's Zen Frog. All the other classics applied. There's also the Navy SEAL Museum special bag. I got that this month. God Country Team. It's bonefrog.us. 5% off lifetime subscription. If you have tried it and you love the coffee, make Christmas time the time you subscribe. If you haven't tried it, go try it. If you're a subscriber, who can you think of that would love their own subscription to coffee? Bonefrog.us. So John Euler's with us, a link to his work in the podcast notes. John, about uh, four years ago, three years ago, um, there was a major push by a guy I consider to be a deviant, uh, the boss of government schools in the separate country of Washington, a guy named Chris Rakedall. He began sweating from the brow and, and spending un, untold hours running around the hallways in Olympia, the Capitol over there, uh, tr- pushing legislators to vote in a perverse pornographic sex ed bill, which contains all of the, the, the access to the graphic photos. It's absolute pornography. Um, and they passed this at night. And it, here's how absurd this was. Members of the House, Republicans, brave Republicans, my friend Jesse Young led this effort, by the way. And we contributed to Jesse's work on this. They rose to read quotes from some of the curriculum into the record. It had to be blanked out by public TV. It was too uh, it was too descriptive, too sexual. And the Democrats did not want to read that into the record because they didn't want parents to know what it was. They passed that, um, shoved it down parents' throats. The, the calls against ran 1,800 to 1 against this. It's in the government schools now. Now that swept the country. I had a, a colleague of yours, a law enforcement officer, uh, who works at Crime Stoppers Global Solutions. Uh, his name is Jim Fuda, former cop. He said on my program, this will make life easier for pedophiles and pimps. So I ask you, with all of your career, all of this time you spent with these men, what 
goes through the mind of a pedophile when he sees books like it's it's perfectly normal and and the sort of pornographic books that these kids are being shown what does that mean to that pedophile mission accomplished wow wow 100% it has done what 50 shades of gray did i was doing a group on the day that movie came out it was valentine's day and i asked the guys i'm talking about field research field research and what the men told me, those that had adult victims, is that Fifty Shades of Grey now would make their job easier because the women were grooming themselves. Mm-hmm. What used to be an understanding of sexual assault now has been rebranded into kink. Okay, Pedophiles inevitably will use sexualized material. It always, always, I mean, the stuff I've read, right? Because in every, every guy that I'm working with, I get all the police reports. I get the victim impact statements. I have more available to me than virtually any, no researcher is going to have access to what I have access to. So I've read all the police reports. I've read why the guys are charged with what they're charged with. And therefore, that helped inform my uh, my background now as far as being able to say, for instance, 100%, let me repeat it, 100% of every sex offender is deeply steeped in pornography prior to offending. 100% of all pedophiles, 100%, that means without exception, are deeply steeped in child rape porn prior to offending, 100%. About 98% will also have charges for the distribution or dissemination of that same material. A lot of them are producing it as well. Meaning you will not find an exception very often, more often than I would have thought. Pornography is used to groom a kid to help them think, uh, begin to script their minds that this is normal. There's nothing wrong with this. They implant ideas. So in one way or another, and they will use uh, even um, animation, what's called anime. Very dangerous. If I had never heard of anime, that is deviant. Uh, what, what men would be arrested for, they can put in drawing form and they won't be arrested. And then what are called furries. I want to warn. I've never, I had never heard of furries, but heard it from a very heinous pedophile who used furries. Those are big mascot like costumes that we would never guess. The kind that we see at football games or at Disneyland. And we assume that only happy, safe adults dress like that. But I then start to ask adults now knowing that pedophiles, that's one of their favorite methods of grooming. Because how much of their identity can you tell? If a guy's wearing drag and makeup and a wig or a big furry costume, how much of that man's identity can you tell? Can you identify? Yeah. And he's right. So you don't know anything, but the pedophiles will say this. Parents will hand kids over to someone that is dressed up. Phenomenal. And it's coming into churches. So pedophiles, I've written a lot about this because I first heard about furries and the usefulness of furries um, from pedophiles. And the most aggressive group, if you reference, I make a simple statement online and I eventually got kicked off of Twitter the second time now for this. It comes down to this. Because 
Furries has such sexual deviance within it, and predators use that as a means of easily accessing kids, that furries is simply not safe for anyone under the age of 18. You will be so targeted, meaning you poke the uh, hornet's nest in the fire ant hill, see what comes out, and you've struck gold. So it seems like a fairly reasonable thing, just 18 and over. And the question is, why are they so aggressive? They'll look up your background. They will call your place of employment. They will go after your professional license. And it's like, whoa, where there's smoke, there's fire. What just generated all that? Okay, They are hell-bent on making sure they have access to kids. And what the Trevor Project has done is it has uh, incorporated within sex ed highly sexually deviant stuff that, as a matter of fact, if any of the sex offenders currently in my uh sex offender treatment groups for guys on parole. If they had in their possession any of the pictures that are currently being shown to minors in elementary school through deviant sex ad, they would be failed out of group and sent back to prison. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, people don't understand this and perhaps you do. And this, this is going to require some speculation. So let's put some pieces together, folks. Um, the human rights, they call it the human rights campaign. Uh, is that right? The human rights campaign in San Francisco, uh, run by, you speak of deviance. Two of them, as I recall, are convicted pedophiles. One of them is a man who uh, believes he is not only a woman, but not truly human, transhuman. Um, he is the brother of the governor of Illinois. Uh, he is a Pritzker. Uh, these men, a uh, couple of the families made some really interesting decisions. They decided to move a lot of their money out of hotels and some uh, other forms of investment into medical devices and pharmaceutical. And they also began pushing behind the scenes, never out front, never through citizens initiatives, never through legislation, always behind the scenes um, to human rights commissions, human rights campaign, human rights commissions, the lie that people are born in the wrong body. And they then began pushing for medicalization behind the scenes. And now you have states like, or separate countries like Oregon and Washington, where kids can get um, butchered chemically or surgically without parental permission. And parents will be forced to pay or they'll lose their insurance. Um, You have that. You have Vancouver, Canada, where a father went to prison for refusing to pretend his daughter was a girl, or pardon, his daughter was a boy. You have that. Um, you had the Thomas Reuters Foundation contributes to these efforts. You had one of the world's largest law firms, if not, if, the, if not the largest, contribute to this. And the push began in earnest uh, maybe a decade ago. And we see now the fruits of it. And I will notice this, and you, you saw this, John, that all of a sudden it became vital that men who think they're women or want to pretend to be porn-addicted men, sexually deviant men, it became very important that they read books to kids on a global basis, everywhere but China, which is, in fact, helping to push this. Someone needs to convince me that this isn't a top-down effort, or I could say it this way, a hell-up effort. Uh, because what you just said about furries the fact that you faced that sort of opposition on furries is you're absolutely over the target. But my question is beyond the spiritual realm, because we know that, that Satan is a liar and a murderer and that lies are his native tongue. We know that we know where this comes from through hell, but where does it come from uh, on, on this earth? 
There are a number of special interests, what I call special interests, because the question is exactly as you uh, pointed out and kind of brings us full circle back to the Trevor Project that really is focused on accessing troubled teens through their uh, their phone. what are they? The uh, support line. Okay. And uh, I was interviewed by the Epic Times about the Trevor Project and my concerns because um, uh, there's been an expose by Mama Bears. Uh, somebody posed as a troubled teen and quickly into the text exchange was this question about gender, was a question about potential getting on hormones. Okay. So there's a tremendous push. Why? Because you have, once somebody becomes a psychopath, again, it's not just sexual psychopath. It's all about what's in it for me, and I'm going to use people. I have a video I put together called Understanding the Trans Movement, and I have a chart in there, and I simply uh, listed what are some of the special interests. Because what I say is this. You have this the greatest collection of special interests that are feeding off the carcasses of these kids. And I, want, and I start by telling parents this that the trans movement is not real. Yeah. It's contrived. Let me say it again. Oh, it's very real, but it didn't exist prior to 2005. Yeah. How do I know? I've been in the field. Okay. This thing has come up not like a trend, so it's not natural. It's come up like a tidal wave. And the point at which it begins to shoot straight up is 2013. And I ask people, can you tell me what happened in the year 2013? Any type of stats you go online and look at the referrals the the statistics for referrals and they are flatlined until pretty much 2013 and i ask people tell me what happened in 2013 and they'll say well that's when people became aware of it no that would be a trend and plus it used to be boys that are transitioning but far and away it's girls okay that is when the dsm-5 was published and made all these procedures billable Boom. That is a group of 13 individuals. Those individuals, two of which are good friends with Dr. James Kanner, who's pushing the legalization of pedophilia. Ultimately, that is my concern. That is what this is all about, along with the other special interests. You have the George Soros's, because if you touch kids' sex and sexuality, they become useful idiots. They can't really think. They will be forever damaged. Now you wind them up, point them in a direction. With all this energy, they'll go and burn down Seattle and Portland. Yeah, but you have the medical industry. Pritzker is a big part of that. So you have big pharma, big medical. This is a multi-trillion-dollar industry worldwide. Right, and it's just beginning. And folks, it's just beginning. Folks need to understand this. And I, that sounds horribly. Um, I'm sorry. That sounded very arrogant. I I have grown to understand this, and and I need to do a better job at sharing with people uh, that it doesn't end here. Uh, it ends well. It doesn't end, but you will see now transhumanism. And I'll I'll tell you this, and you're going to think I'm nuts. I know parents whose kids are convinced that they are animals. One uh, young man is convinced that he's a dragon, and he is right now. He has his eyes sh- uh, changed. They now look reptilian. Uh, he has uh, had his teeth um, uh, shaved down, so they now look reptilian. Uh, he is working to raise money to have scales uh, built on his body and to be dyed green. And this is and to have his, oh, he does have his tongue split and he believes he's a dragon. And there are surgeons who are willing to do this for him. 
And you combine that with a you combine that with a surveillance uh, technocratic surveillance medical state. Oh golly, what else can they you know do to you as they make you your dream species? Right. So there there is so much to this. And to boil this down to parents, number one, uh, the the internet. Correct me if I'm wrong, John. The internet is not your kids' friends. Oh um, gosh, no. And your your kids. Um, you know, parental screening software will not block uh, the gender madness because they don't consider it blockable. Um, there are men, organized groups who look to target lonely kids. Hey, maybe you're not in the right body. And this happens every single day. And the population with whom John has worked in such a unique way, um, correct me if I'm wrong, John, these are not dumb men and they are not unaware of these not trends, but top down, they're not unaware of how the Pandora's box is wide open right now. And they are capitalizing upon it. And did they describe this as this, is this like a gold rush moment for them? When, when you talk to these guys, um, is, is, I have to imagine that to them, they have to think, my gosh, this is the gold rush. This is the thing we've waited for all our lives. We now have access to all these broken kids. Hundred percent, and uh, my greatest concern because what we're going to hear quickly is that we're phobic, we're anti this. Uh, now, what I tell people is this: I'm not phobic. I'd try working where I used to work. I'm not phobic, <laughs> right? No, what I am is just extremely protective of women and children. And when you understand the minds of psychopath and sexual deviants, and you understand that they begin to develop a desire not out of attraction or lust. Once a man becomes deviant, he is no longer normal. Um, A man who is normal can only get an erection when he knows his partner or the object of his desire is enjoying him or herself, so to speak. Deviance is the opposite. You can only, uh, using the term, you can only get it up when you know the person is not enjoying it. You're no longer normal at that point, but you're not even saying. Wait, wait, that's, that's fact. 100%. And that's what every sex offender understands, but they don't want the general public to understand. And I figured it out in the time that not because I fi- I worked hard to figure this out. I'd heard the term deviance all the time. And I kept thinking, what is the And I'd hear these textbook definitions. But when I finally figured that out, then it made sense. And I remember the group that I all of a sudden announced it. I'd said, I figured this out. And they're all staring at me. I said, number, number one, the one topic that's the elephant in the middle of the room that you guys never want to talk about is porn. And you can match. There's about 10 categories of porn that will match 10 categories of offenders and the porn will match. And what also people don't understand is bestiality comes before child porn. And just after child porn is snuff porn. Why? Because they're going to get rid of any evidence or make sure the victim can't talk. These are not nice individuals. And pup play, it's the beginning of bestiality. They have rebranded bestiality in terms of furries. So when you see a young man who's a dragon, we got two issues going on. We have severe mental illness and we have this kid. This guy's been into furries because they also do other kind of like dragons and those kinds of things. What's happened is it's now anthropomorphic stuff. And so they identify with, but these perpetrators use that to begin to establish the relationships and they can introduce concepts. 
And if they can get somebody to believe the greatest fallacy in the world, which is overriding their intuition, which is you're born in the wrong body, it's drinking the Kool-Aid, which comes out of Jim Jones, uh, out of Jonestown, cults. uh, The trans deception uh, utilizes the best of time-tested cult-like techniques. You have to override somebody's intuition. Once you do that, they will believe anything. And what, what a perpetrator uh, needs more than anything is for you to believe them when they say in one way or another, I know what it looks like, but it's really not that. You then have dispensed with your intuition. They've overridden that. You've, as the victim, you've overridden uh, your ability to test reality. That way you will never assign or ascribe responsibility as far as perpetration. What the perps are using the trans movement for, and I want parents to understand this as well. If your child has already begun to use the idea of pronouns, begin to speak in non-binary. They're already being groomed into this. Kids want to belong. There's a lot of that social contagion. There's a lot of that. But the trans movement is a moving sidewalk. I want parents to understand this. It's going somewhere. And I can guarantee you 100%, if they can keep your kid on this sidewalk by adding to it more and more and playing with the kid's mind, your kid, guaranteed, here's where it ends. Your kid will, your child will be forever sterilized and amputated, and they it will dump your child out on the gurney of a surgeon that's going to make money off your child, and your child will be a consumer of pharmaceuticals the rest of his or her life. Yeah, that's the trans movement, and then along the way they will be perped on because they have no intuition, and now they are perfect prey. Because they're already they were already damaged. Now they're especially damaged. And so perpetrators now will uh, will use that. And now um, the there's a convergence of uh, perpetrators that have always wanted to keep uh, teens looking very young. Why? Because deviance tends downward, because ultimately deviance is not about the body, not about attraction, but about having a negative effect and then scarring and marring and leaving a forever impact, traumatizing the soul. So they will keep the kids young. Why? Because that's what deviance does. It wants to defile and the kid can't become pregnant. Right. And there's this one of the things as as we tie this up and uh, I hope that you'll come back. Uh, and I hope I can uh, convince you to perhaps come and speak at our church, um, which is a very large, very biblically sound uh, church. Um, this you just said something to me that finally I finally I finally understand a bit. Uh, there is a man who pretends to be a woman who is um, a surgeon or if not a surgeon, uh, medical. And I can play the, the clip. My audience has heard it many times. And through that fake, smoky, um, estrogen-created, tinny, copper voice, um, he says that a clitoris and a thumb are the same thing. And a clitoris and a penis are the same thing. It's just tissue. Uh, And that same man goes on to say that, look, most kids who start on puberty blockers um, at, um, I forget the the medical phrase, but it's uh, one, one phase of puberty, they will never have an orgasm. And we just need to admit this. And you are describing to me a population of, of people through whom great evil is done, who've given themselves to evil, who are psychopaths, who only enjoy, and in fact, can only achieve sexual, quote, satisfaction when their victim does not enjoy the process. And they are creating populations of children who can never have an orgasm. 
and populations of children whose genitalia has been mutilated. And so bodies to be used in ways they were never designed to be used. And you have the capability of sick men to be able to say to a boy who has been mutilated, well, look, no one else is going to want you. So at least, least I'm touching you. That's and they could be, and there's still anal pe- penetration, right? A lot of these kids are going to be sucked into prostitution. That's why the trans movement will push prostitution. And there also is now what are called uh, uh, through WPATH, the World Professional Association of Transgender Health, the yeah. greatest fraudulent group, is now uh, creating this uh, category of eunuchs, and that that comes from a group of men who for years have been writing the eunuch archives about castrating little boys. And the next step they also write about is, uh, is executing them. And, and, so everybody, and so everybody understands this. And I think you get it. Um, look, Baal didn't go anywhere. <laughs> the Baals, the demon, the demonic experience, they didn't go anywhere. You know, yeah, they freaked out when the Lord Jesus was resurrected. You better believe it. They know their time is short, but did they just go away? Everything that John and I are describing today has happened before in history, and God was displeased then. Uh, He is displeased now, and this is one of the reasons why our nation had better get to its knees and had better pray that the Lord will have mercy, and we need to pray for protection upon these kids. And, John, I'm going to tell you, and I know you know this, uh, I pray protection on you. Because I don't worry about the people who are trying to dox you. I mean, that's not a pleasant thing. Um, I don't worry about your bravery. You've demonstrated that. Um, But man, does Satan want at your soul. So I pray for the full armor of God over you, full helping of the Holy Spirit. And um, you know what you're messing with. So I know you know you're not operating under your own power, right? That's right. Yeah. All right. And may the Lord Jesus continue to protect you. The work, such important work is in the show notes. Uh, John, I ask every single guest that they would go with God's good grace. And so I ask you that. And I just thank you so much for putting everything on the line because you are putting everything on the line and for allowing this pain that you had to experience. You had to um, shine a light because, folks, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and remember that even today, the darkness cannot overcome that light that we're about to celebrate on this blessed Christmas.